Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest podcast uh, from the St. Mary's Health and Social Care Academy. And I'm joined, as usual, this morning by the very ebullient Cicely Aylesbury. Good morning, Cicely. Comment ça va? Comment ça va? We're not going to continue in French the whole way through, but we did have a bit of a conversation in French last night, didn't we, for some bizarre reason, but... Well, I mean, I do hold a semi-bilingual certificate following my Canadian equivalent of GCSE, so I got a little bit of French to back me up here. Um, semi-bilingual, that's yeah. a great term, isn't it? <laughs> so, that's, so anyway, welcome everybody. Uh, it's a lovely day today and we are joined, aren't we, Cicely, by two very special people. Would you like to introduce them for us? Absolutely. Um, so I'm really, really happy to be able to introduce some of our allied health professionals out there working in Hull in the local area, as well as our aspiring allied health professionals currently at St. Mary's College Sixth Form for our Medical Health and Social Care Academy. So we have the fabulous Haley, who's joining us from Humber Teaching NHS Foundation Trust. Haley, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. And we have your mentee, Holly. Hello. Hi, Holly, um, who's currently aspiring to be an occupational therapist. Um, and as a result, you guys have been working really, really closely together for probably about a year now, really, um, and kind of really helping Holly gain a, a strong understanding of your profession. And hopefully for those listeners out there, today's podcast will help you guys find out a little bit more about the amazing work that occupational therapy do in the local community um, and help you find out more. It's <laughs> more, just more and more. Just more and more, exactly. Uh, so I think Holly has a question to start us off with. Haley, why did you choose to work in the healthcare sector? For me, I think I always knew from a young age that I wanted to work with people. I just didn't know what capacity that was going to be in. Um, I'm quite an active person, so it was important that I needed to do something that was active and with people and kind of proactive rather than reactive and it's a career that I fell into and once I'd heard of it that was kind of the way I wanted to go. I like the values of working in healthcare and the the aim is always the patient comes first and I think that's something that sits quite closely with kind of what I find important and what my colleagues find important and I think once, once you have an idea that you want to work in healthcare and what opportunities are out there for you it's quite hard to think of other career paths that, that you might consider. Absolutely. Haley. just thinking out there for some of our listeners, they might not know the, the kinds of things that an occupational therapist might do or how you do support people in the local community of Hull um, working for Humber. Do you think that you could tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. So occupational therapy in general is a profession that uses what we do every day. So what you want to do, what you need to do, what is important to you, I guess. And we use that to be able to support people to develop independence, to find meaning in their life, overcome any disabilities and generally just improve quality of life. So in general terms, we do with people as and use that activity that we do with as interventions and as assessments. In terms of in Hull, I work within mental health so I work in, with adults who are in mental health crisis or in mental health distress and in that way and that sense of work is based around confidence building sometimes it's about anxiety management for people 
helping them come to terms with what might be going on for them, but also trying to keep quite a practical approach. So we focus a lot on activities of daily living is what we class it as. So things that people do every day, their responsibilities, their roles, their relationships. So we are quite a holistic profession that kind of takes on a view of the person in general and what's important to them and use that as our way forward. And um, I think that's another reason why I came into this career is that it's so varied. Every day is different. Every patient is different because it's based on what they find important rather than potentially maybe a diagnosis that somebody might have. It's more what's key to them. Holly, uh, Haley, can I just ask you, um, you, you mentioned in your little intro there about it was a career that you sort of fell into. And I was intrigued yes. by that comment, really, particularly for, a, for an occupational therapist. How did that work? For, because obviously with the, the academy and with Holly's experience, you know, it's more planned, isn't it? And made about a conscious decision. But from what you said, it, it was a bit more sort of, um, it didn't work out that way. How did it work for you? So I um, I didn't know about occupational therapies till I was the exact point in um, career that Holly is at now. So I was a, a year 13 student at my at my sixth form, had no idea what I wanted to do, thought I wanted to do psychology because I was quite keen, I was quite into mental health and wanted to help people. But I was a mentor at my sixth form, so I was helping younger students and I was I was quite an active member of kind of the school council. And I was moulded into occupational therapy by my psychology lecturer, teacher, who just saw something and thought, can we kind of help her figure out where she wants to go because I wasn't clear. It just so happened that her best friend was an occupational therapist who worked in mental health and she got me um, a week's worth of kind of shadowing in the summer um, right. between year 12 and year 13. And from then, my kind of experience of going into occupational therapy was similar to what I hope I've offered Holly of that mentoring and experience. And yes, I had to apply and go through university, but my kind of exposure to occupational therapy was not led by me. It was from somebody recognising something and kind of helping oh, me figure interesting. that out. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. So I hadn't, I hadn't heard of occupational therapy up until about a month and a half before I was applying to university. But the minute I'd experienced it and kind of been unshadowed, that was when I knew that was what I wanted to do. It's amazing. And I think, like, obviously your career path could have taken a very different turn without having having that kind of like support that you were given throughout yeah. your sixth form experience. And and that's kind of, I guess, the main goal here with the Medical Health and Social Care Academy is, is that we're able to help people's careers ambitions and we're able to make that direct career link with them so that they can mm -hmm. experience it and really kind of find that passionate drive forward. Um, Holly, do you mind telling us why you chose occupational therapy? I'm like Hayley, I didn't know what an occupational therapy was, but I heard about it in the lesson and I didn't have a clue what it was. So I researched it and found podcasts actually. And then I got intrigued by it really. I'm like, well, this is something I wanted to do. And then in year 12, I got a mentor Hayley and um, hearing her experiences and what she does in a day made me feel like I wanted to do that even more. Absolutely, and I think like obviously that's the great part about the program is, is that if we can kind of show you what those opportunities might look like in year 12, either because you're obviously taking our level three cash health and social care curriculum or through the medical academy and in this instance both, then that's really helped to kind of secure that for you. I think it's interesting as well, Haley, from what you say is that it's almost as if that the person that you're talking about identified in you somebody who would make an occupational therapist. So that's and around your personal characteristics, isn't it? It's about who you are. Because often when we're looking from an education, 
education point of view, sort of generally about academic attainment and that type of thing, it's about what qualifications you're going to get. So if you wanted yeah. to do maths or economics, you'd have to, you know, be really good at that. But if you're looking at these sorts of professions like occupational therapy, it's what you're like as a person, isn't it? That's just as important as academic attainment. Would you agree? I do agree. And I think that was that was the thing. I wouldn't have been able, I'm not very good at sitting still for very long. So she knew psychology wasn't for me, but she recognised what I was looking for in being unaware of what else was available. And she was being um, kind of like a mentor, like a educational mentor. She was quite able to get to know me on that level that you're explaining there that she could pick up on things that she thought well well I think you align to my friend that's an OT or that I think your values are pretty similar or the way that you like to think about people is pretty similar and you are right I think in I think in occupational therapy similar to maybe other allied health professionals where you come from and your experiences and your ability to work more flexibly is sometimes just as important as the academic side of mm. things very much so very much so yeah yeah and i think what we tried to do with the academy of sicily and working has tried to do is to is to really give the students a real idea of what the massive range of professions is so there will be something out there that suits the person as an individual so i suppose traditionally in the past people looked at careers in healthcare as either medicine or nursing but there's right. literally hundreds of careers in health and social care and there'll be one that fits you depending on what your sort of you know psychology is or your or your value or belief systems your communication skills and that sort of thing and i think that's why as a trust and as a, a local area we are very keen to promote allied health professionals like we are doing at the moment because unfortunately at the moment local universities might not train so that people aren't getting that exposure as regularly so um they might not have the access to be able to get shadowing or or kind of placement yeah, opportunities so it's, it's something we are trying as a trust and an area to do is give that opportunity to students to see or at least learn what different professions are because as you Brilliant. say every year there's a new profession or a new work area that's coming around following gu nice guidelines and stuff so it's about we need to let the students know that so that they can make their informed choices yeah, about what absolutely that's brilliant Good. thank you Ailey. holly i think you've got another question yeah. what do you like most about working in hull so i'm not originally from hull i i came to hull after i qualified after having placements in hull that i thoroughly enjoyed at university and one thing about hull that i think is different to other places where i've experienced is the joined up working we have with other agencies so for example some charities or some private sector organisations, other trusts, we have quite a good working relationship with them for patients' benefits, but also being able to just give them a ring to have a chat about something if it's not your clinical specialist. And I think Hull as an as a, um, area allows that really easily and sometimes that helps with patient care as well. Just being able to give a phone to say, for example, a substance misuse service rather than having to refer in and just having that relationship means that we can kind of identify if that's needed or whether it's something we can do as an intervention and, and it's just it's more timely. That's really nice to hear I think because without that level high degree of partnership working obviously yep. you might not be able to respond to the patient's needs as quickly as you are able to because the trust itself has such strong community relationships. Definitely and it's something that we really value and as an occupational therapist we, we have a lot of links with community resources because we refer patients into them um, if they have interest and to develop kind of confidence in the community so for example we might um, support them to access a leisure centre or a leisure service that they, if they have an interest or groups if they have 
particular interests in activities with other people. So it's really key for us as well to have those links so that we can support patients to access those groups and it be a more joined up working, like you say, in partnership rather than, well, we can't take them. It's that now their responsibility It's that flexibility and, and kind of handover is better. Did you know that that's, that's how the service worked here before you applied to come to Hull? Or was there another reason that brought you to Hull? And then you found out when you got the job. I had a placement, my final year placement, which was um, in forensic services, was in Hull in the Humber oh, Trust. Oh, right. Oh, I see. So I, at my um, final year placement before qualifying, I experienced some of how we worked with other services. So I was oh, aware I of it, but it wasn't until getting the job in the trust and being a part of those relationship building that I realised how easy in this area it is to mm. make links with other services. One of the things, Holly, that we've found that we talk about quite a lot is is actually the benefits or what it's actually like to work in our area because obviously we want to retain and keep and train and, and, and make as many sort of healthcare professionals settle in the area as we can. And healthcare is one of those uh, sec sectors where there isn't really much of a huge advantage working in a massive city. You know, if you're working in London or Manchester or Leeds or that type of thing. Sometimes working in somewhere like Hull, which I'm assuming is your hometown, Holly, you, you can actually feel as though you're achieving more. Uh, obviously, we've got populations that have got quite large needs, both medical, social and psychological. But it, I don't know whether Haley would agree, but sometimes it, it appears a bit easier to make an impact and you know, if you're in another profession, like whether it be law or advertising or commerce or banking or finance or whatever, then you could see the advantages of working in a really big city. But Hull's big enough for to have a really good career in health and social care. Would you agree, Hayley? I do agree. And I think there's a lot of opportunities within the healthcare sectors in the area for, to, for you to find somewhere that you're really interested in working in. So even though we might not be as big as the cities you've described, there are still um, opportunities to be involved in specialist services. So we have a lot mm. of specialist services locally. So if you had a specific interest in areas, there's, there's more than likely to be a service somewhere for you to be able to explore that. Um, and I think especially our, uh, the trust I work for, Humber, is quite keen for you to find that area of interest and develop that, whether it be in your day-to-day -day role or training. So I think sometimes being somewhere where when it's not too large a city, you can see the change for a patient. So you can sometimes see that quicker progress through to services or the past, you know, the discharge through because waiting lists might not be as long or services are more amenable and, and more flexible. Sounds like you're making such a difference to all the people that you're working with, Haley. So, I mean- You well, like to think yeah. so. <laughs> I, th I think it's just wonderful to be able to hear and you can really hear your passion coming out when you're speaking about this. We've touched on this previously, Dan, before, but that need for public service, that need to give back to your local community and what a difference that that can make. Mm, absolutely yeah and it's I don't know how to describe it but it's as much of a feeling in a way that you get and I think Haley is giving a really good sort of a fancy demonstration of the people who are attracted into public service and what they actually get out of it and that sense of I don't know contentment's a funny word but satisfaction and feelers at the end of the day doesn't matter how busy it is, you feel as though you've done a good job and, and the vast majority of your efforts have been actually channeled into doing something really constructive and certainly in the field of occupational therapy, I would imagine that it's a bit like the field that I was in for many years, 
general practice, you never know what's going to happen that day. Every single day is really, yep. really different, I would think, Holly. And I think that that, I mean, that's quite a challenge in itself, but it's a huge degree of satisfaction as well, I think. Holly, from what you know so far about occupational therapy, because I appreciate you are just finishing your sixth form, but what do you think you're going to enjoy the most about it as a future career? Like what, what, what's drawn you to it? What do you want to do? Just being able to work with the patient, being able to like join in with the activities and be able to help them. Because it's very patient-centered, which I really like. Absolutely, I think that's definitely something that Haley's kind of touched on in the mix of everything, for sure. So she sounds like she's taught you well so far. <laughs> <laughs> Holly, do you have another question? What do you most enjoy about your job? I think it's about what we're talking about now. It's the fact that every day is very different. Every patient's presentation is very different. And I, and I get to be a part of somebody life whether that be being able to support somebody to have the confidence to go shopping by themselves or whether it be that I support somebody to be able to maintain their own self-care and their hygiene to be able to be confident in the community it's that we sometimes work on small goals with the aim that it reaches a larger goal and and we get we call them little wins sometimes so we can see little wins quite frequently throughout our working with somebody and that's a real sense of achievement when a patient can recognize they have benefited or that there's been a positive change in some way and so and i like being able to focus on those little things and i think focusing on that but having the big aim of whatever their main goal might be in mind it makes it more achievable for patients and sometimes it's just that light bulb that actually you don't have to always think big you can think small and it will get you there I think that's something I, f- I find really enjoyable about the job is being able to do that with people I think there's a life lesson involved in that isn't there to just actually enjoy the small things and to be yeah. able to take a moment and be appreciative of the little things that you might have been able to achieve that day um, yeah. and how that every step forward is reaching that longer term goal really um holly wrote an exam this week guys in anatomy and physiology yeah exactly big moment for all of our students out there this week um to be able to do that and i think we took a moment this week didn't we holly to do a little bit of celebrating with a little bit of celebration cake just to recognize celebration Um, cake yeah celebration (laughs) cake just to recognize that actually regardless about what that outcome is going to be which i'm sure is going to be absolutely great holly is that there's been so much achievement throughout that throughout that learning journey if you will like we like to be able to say and that recognizing all of that progress and that it's a simple win you've sat the exam that Mm -hmm. is one step forward and i think for a lot of our sixth form students out there they're in that position they're very exam focused they're very goal oriented but that along that way we have to be able to take a moment to sit back and actually recognize all of the achievements that we have achieved so far definitely and it's been about it's about being compassionate to ourselves as well but it's something that we teach in our kind of way of working with people is that you have to be kind to yourself that you're on a pathway whether that be a a college sixth form pathway whether that be a work pathway or a recovery pathway it's a pathway that you're on and you need to be kind that you you know it's a journey I don't like the word journey because it sounds trivial (laughs) we're all on you know we're all on a way towards something people are further on that journey than others yeah exactly yeah and it's about meeting yourself where you 
are recognizing that and and setting yourselves little wins Hayley, can i ask you something i mean you're obviously an extremely good communicator extremely articulate and a very good communicator have you always been a really good communicator because it's it's important for your job isn't it but naturally you seem to have the confidence to be a really good communicator no it was an area i was petrified of doing and um it was something that i used to get really kind of tongue-tied with so i challenged myself from year 11 12 i joined my sixth form debate team to try and oh that's interesting did you i would put myself forward at university and uh, to talk in team projects and things like this so I've learned to develop a confidence to stay calm, to be able to then articulate myself better. And, and it's something it's took quite a bit of time to develop. It's not something that comes easy, but it's something that you're right. It's it's key for an occupational, well, any healthcare professional, I think, is. to be able to communicate. Yeah. So I, I challenge myself to develop it in personal and kind of work life. This is really imp- important, Holly, actually. And it's something that Cicely and I have talked a lot about, which is, you know, you've got the academic achievement, attainment, and you've got the skills that's happened, but the self-confidence to be able to communicate and be confident about your own opinions and express them and feel, you know, to hold the ability to hold on to them. And it's really, really important, Holly, particularly when it comes to advocating on behalf of patients and supporting yep. them. You know, in, in the healthcare prof- professions, it's really difficult if you're self-conscious or really feel sort of shy about communicating. So look for every opportunity, you know, if, yep. when you get to uni to do your course. You know, to, as Helly says, debating society. We've talked a lot, Cicely, about things like amateur dramatics. Yeah. It's a fantastic way of building confidence, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I think you we sometimes have to give patients negative news or, or we have to sometimes explain things that they might un, not understand. And being able to stay calm and be able to kind of understand that if you get tongue-tied, it's okay, but to not get flustered by that is quite yeah. hard to do sometimes, yeah. especially if you've got somebody quite distressed or quite upset about what you're saying, challenging you. It, you can find yourself put in a quite difficult position. So the more experience any student can get of having to be in that kind of role, whether it be at university in your personal life, through debate or amateur dramatic, anything like that is brilliant to just develop your confidence of being able to just take a breath when you need and being able to just, you know, sit back and think, actually, I just need to rethink. And I think that's obviously something like Holly, we were working on, wasn't it? Because we had that big chat. Um, Holly was one of our ambassadors for our open evening that took place. Um, And Holly, uh, she was lovely. She was great. But where Holly started at the beginning of that evening and Holly finished at the end of it was dramatically different. Holly, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because honestly, I think you, you have so much to say at first I was so nervous because I've never really like talked to many people before in a big group or explain things because I can like forget what I want to say and then I can talk too quick or talk too quiet but then once it goes on working with my friend as well and being with everybody who was really supportive it really really helped and I was just like talking about other things and I was talking about medical academy health and social care which one i like and which one i'm doing to what i'm doing and a lot of people were like this is really helpful thank you it's really supportive and there was one this one woman who was like you've really helped me this evening so thank you which 
really made me mm. more confident and more calm and which helped me over talk talk to other people which was really nice and i think like having that that experience right you could really tell that the more that you practiced it the more that you got out there the more that you put yourself out there kind of like Haley was saying in terms of like challenging yourself the bigger that difference was and obviously long may that continue as you carry on with your work placements for health yes. and social care too and holly look out for people who, and they may not necessarily be in a healthcare profession or whatever or even the people that you come across in person but watch how people communicate if they're interviewing people on the television or yeah. or that type of thing look look and observe at some of the skills that they use about question asking and listening and all that sort of stuff and you'll pick up that some people are really good at it and some people are not quite so good at it so there's always an opportunity if you're if what you're going to be doing in the future is really based about communication there's tons of opportunities to learn it you can observe it every single day of the week if you've so if you're sort of open to do it, it it's really important but a great sense of you know fun and also a sense of you know sort of personal achievement I suppose you could wake up one morning and say right today I'm just going to argue with everybody and then <laughs> see how that see how that long that lasts I mean let, let's maybe not do that, Holly. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> I, I think Dan's right in the sense that obviously the way that you portray yourself can also reciprocate that relationship back. Um, and I think demonstrating confidence can give people confidence in your actions and abilities. Mm. And Holly, you're obviously going into school later on this afternoon to help support some of our other health and social care students, doing some peer mentoring too, and another great opportunity to be able to kind of reflect maybe on our conversation this morning and put that into action this afternoon. Definitely. It's and it, these are all things I did, and I know some of my colleagues did of peer mentoring. I was the ambassador, one of the ambassadors at my university for open days, and it's all things like that where you you learn how to communicate. But the more you do it, the more you get confident talking about the topic. So the the less you'll get worried about forgetting what you need to say because it'll just be there. So Haley, I think you've touched on this a little bit already because you have mentioned some people that have previously inspired you towards your career. But who do you think has been the biggest influence on your career overall? In terms of my, obviously my sixth form lecture was the one that put me on this path, um, but I would say the biggest influence for me is final year educator for my placement who is now the professional lead for our trust who would let you try things out and would not give you an answer and would kind of say well go try it see what happens and then would be there to support you when you came back or if you had a problem and was always just helping you figure out the answer rather than giving it you and that's the way I learned and I think she could recognize that the relationship we needed to have with each other we're quite similar in personalities and how we work and think about things which helped because she could kind of sit back and, and see where I was coming from but help us think about it a bit differently so I'd, I'd say that Jane is the biggest influence on where I am now she's the one that if I said oh I wanted to try to go into this area of work where I am now into crisis care she was like do it and supported me how to do that and what I needed to look at so I think it's about finding somebody that gets how you work and it's about being open with them as well about what works and setting that out from the go that you can you you, you can get the best out of each other then. I think there's like a huge point to being able to be a reflective practitioner but also to be able to learn those skills so that you can try out new things try out another thing if it didn't work where do you go from 
here. Um, and obviously it sounds like she was really inspirational for you to kind of give you that long lead, if you will, and say, okay, and what do we do? And, and kind of going back and forth with all of that, which sounds like a really nice way to be able to learn. Yeah, because I'm quite a reflective person. So I would sit and reflect all day and never change and do things from Finn. So she was one that would kind of give me that space, but know when enough was enough and that we needed to act. That sounds brilliant. Well, we're just entering a new unit of our coursework to look at research methods where Holly gets to design her own research project and also trying to be able to kind of allow her the ability to be able to become a little bit creative mm -hmm. in that area. Holly, any ideas about what you think you're going to do your research project on? I wanted to do it based on mental health, but I don't know, I'm torn between either doing it how animals affect your mood or how online shopping has increased during COVID and how that's impacted mental health. Oh, interesting topics here, Holly. Let's, let, let's see where they go. Holly, do you have another question for Haley? What do you believe to be the most pressing healthcare issues today? Other than the um, obvious, which I think we don't need to go into, but at the minute that it's the staffing issues is that we the bursaries were stopped for NHS courses. Um, we aren't getting the footfall through of qualified staff in most professions at the minute, which is having an impact on kind of capacity, on kind of professional workloads and development opportunities. So I think it, it's quite um, a key issue at the moment is having the, it's, it's not that we can't fill the spaces of interest, it's that we don't have the staff members to do that because we're not getting the footfall through university or, or colleges and things so um something that is hap is quite key in Hull at the minute and it, it is working really well up to now is we're having links with people like yourselves at colleges and sixth forms to educate about different professions um we are offering more placements to students in areas that we may not have offered before for both university and college students to try and gain some interest in the area and our trust at Humber specifically at the minute are doing a revamp of our band five rotation so that's kind of where newly qualifiers can come in and, and spend a bit of time in each clinical area to develop their interests but also we're looking at how we can be more creative so apprenticeships for people who might not be able to go into university and looking at different routes in because I think if we can help boost numbers of staff in healthcare and in the area then potentially we could look at services being more flexible and being able to reach out to those that at the minute might not be getting the service that they either need or want and I think it's a national problem I don't just think it's a local problem I think we sit in national forums you see it on the news don't we have staffing crises across the country and yeah so that's something we are working on at the minute and I think COVID-19 has given us that chance to do that is be able to sit back and think actually where are we all and how are we all working at the minute that's really interesting Haley, and I think the just a point for me which is will impact it's a major problem at the moment but probably impacts very much on, on occupational therapy is this idea of loneliness and certainly from a research point of view Holly that'd be a and a mental health thing that'd be a really interesting area to look at because what people think loneliness is what it yeah. actually is are two completely different things and I think maybe quite a bit of your work Hayley is around that sort of you know people who don't have close intimate relationships spend a lot of time on their own need that support because there are more people living on their own now than at any time 
in civilization, basically. Humans are not meant to live on their own, but there's yeah. more of them living on their own than there ever have been. And that's got had a real impact, hasn't it, Hayley? It has, and we, you might see that we are getting referrals, say, for people who are low mood or, or social anxiety, or because of lockdowns, have, have now fearful of leaving the house because it's been so long since they've had normality. But actually, when you meet with them and get to the groups of them, it is that they're not having the social connections that they used to, or that the group that they went to every Wednesday night for years has ended and isn't mm, exactly. started up again. Friendships might not be there for various reasons like they used to be so we are seeing an increase in people with loneliness an increase in people who um, have lost motivation to do things anymore because of that lack of social connection and social support so yeah you're right Dan we are getting a lot more kind Mm. of it might not be that the referral is aligned to that but actually when you get to know the patient and get working with them that's one of the key issues is that social isolation yeah, and it was always one of the a common reason, Holly, for patients to attend general practice. The fact when you got to the bottom of it, it was because they were lonely and they didn't really have any other social contacts other than coming to see their GP. And then again during COVID, when the ways of accessing general practice changed, so you had to either book online or it was an online consultation. You couldn't drop in or pop in or that type of thing. That also had an effect on it. So I think it's. I think it's a really big issue, isn't it, Haley? And we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, I, I think. Yeah, and I think it's difficult as well, isn't it, to not become kind of a safety net for those people so that yeah. they become attach, form an attachment very, with that's very a professional. That's very true. Because then we, we aren't really helping them. So part very of occupational therapy and peer support worker roles is about supporting them to access social connections in their own their own community with our support rather than us being that social connection that they're seeking because what we don't want is people to become attached to services and professionals that sounds like that can be quite challenging especially with the impact and the difference that you're making with those people it'd be natural that they'd want to be able to have that social connection with you and obviously building that positive relationship is still a really important part of the job in and of itself isn't it it is and that's where supervision comes in in contact and this is holly some that you'll learn throughout your training and your profession wherever you go is that you use your supervision so if you say actually this relationship might be shifting or this person's not kind of going the way this relationship isn't going the way we thought you use that supervision and use that support around you to be able to manage that effectively and safely because it's the patient's safety at the end of the day isn't it really interesting reflections thanks Ailey. Holly what is one piece of advice you would give based on your experience okay so I think regardless of what career path you're going into or what area of practice you choose get experience as much as you can in different areas so you know if you can get into volunteering I know it's difficult at the moment but just being able to kind of experience other areas because you might have an idea in your head that you want to work in mental health for example but actually have you ever tried working in any other service or have you ever experienced working in different areas so I think for anybody anybody going on to a health and social care practice is experience those take opportunities to go on placements that you might have chose actually that's not my first or second or even third choice but do it if and then if you decide you don't like it you know for sure whereas you would have never known otherwise if if you get ex- opportunities to go to a talk based on a topic you're not interested in or there's a podcast that you, on a topic you're not think, interested in go and listen and do those things because I think it will help you be a well-rounded professional in the future because you'll know more a little bit about different areas but also it'll make sure that when you do find that area you're keen on 
that you know it's right for you and that that's where you can start focusing your energy on developing and becoming a specialist in that area. Brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Haley. I think that idea of multidisciplinary practice and knowledge of what's out there is makes such a difference in terms of the care that you yourself can provide because and also to be able to support your own continued professional development wherever yeah, and, you are in that. <laughs> and I think that, that it allows you to work with other professionals easier because you understand their role so for historically in nursing training and occupational therapy training we never did much about each other and mm. that's changed over the last five years or so of, of that we will have guest speakers of each profession go into the degree courses and talk about how we work together I think that's crucial because if if you don't have that working and you don't know what a physio does for example or an OT they're not going to refer in and there's not going to be that joint at working so yeah take every opportunity you can it might seem at the time irrelevant to your interest but you will benefit in the long term brilliant well thank you so much Haley, for joining us today on our awesome podcast yes, thank you excellent Holly, yes thank you so much for being best of luck to you absolutely um and we hopefully will see you joining maybe humber teaching nhs foundation trust in the future thanks to Haley's great <laughs> input after you've trained as a qualified profession that would be lovely <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much to everybody out there listening, and we hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Cheerio. Bye. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye.